Well, I'd like to uh, welcome you to King's. I'm so glad you've joined us today on our online service. You're so, so welcome. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, we've uh, started a new series called Wisdom for Life, based out of the book of Proverbs. And Andrew Wilson, our teaching pastor, has served us so well, hasn't he, over the last couple of weeks. But actually, over last weekend, as I was just reflecting and praying uh, in light of all that's happened with the Black Lives Matters movement, I just felt that maybe I should speak on the issue of racism. And so I contacted the elders of the church, and with their encouragement, we're going to cut across our series. We don't normally do that. In fact, I can't remember the last time we did. Uh, but I just felt this was such a significant moment. I, I, I wanted to share my heart with you. And I hope that you find this message that I've called Racism, the Gospel and the Church helpful as uh, we see this cultural uh, shift moment, not only in our country, but around the world. I want to remind you of the words of uh, a minor prophet, Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8. When the word of God says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This uh, minor prophet speaks to the moment, and particularly when it comes to the sensitive subject of racism. That we should speak justly, we should act justly, we should act righteously, we should speak out for those that have experienced racism time and time again. We should show mercy. We should show mercy to those that have lived uh, with the trauma uh, of, uh, and the kind of layered experience of racism. And there will be many brothers and sisters in our church that we know of who this is a very present reality. And we should show mercy and understanding and empathy and and, and reach out to them and point them to God for healing. And we should walk humbly with our God, with your God. Uh, and so we should all come as learners. I definitely do. I've led this church for 25 years, but I keep learning things about this issue. And so I, I approach it aware of the sensitivities of the subject matter, but I come to you as a learner and someone I trust you know whose heart is to speak up for those that have and are experiencing racism. In fact, right at the beginning of this message, I want to particularly maybe shock some of you. I suspect most of you are aware of this, but uh, the report that was released on the 19th of March this year about the immigration uh, uh, scandal with the Windrush generation, if you're unaware of it, it should shock you. I suspect most of the Caribbean community are totally aware of it, uh, but you may not be. And if you're not, I hope it does shock you because I want to kind of wake you up to some of the realities that brothers and sisters you love and know and you may sit next to on a Sunday at King's what they walk through time and time again. And if you're watching this and uh, you don't come to King's, whether you are in the black community or the white community, hear my heart. I want you to hear that this independent report and possibly you'll be shocked by it. Maybe you've read it. Well, I'm going to quote from the executive summary uh, right now. This was produced by Wendy Williams. It was released on the 19th of March 2020. 
You can Google it, go online. It'll be good for you, maybe after the service, just to look at the report for yourself. But let me just quote two things from the executive summary. Firstly, it says, members of the Windrush generation and their children have been poorly served by this country. They had every right to be here and should never have been caught in the immigration net. There are many stories of injustice and hardship are heartbreaking with jobs lost, lives uprooted and untold damage done to so many individuals and families. I mean, that quote alone should shock us all. It goes on to say uh, a little later, while I'm unable to make a definite finding of institutional racism within the department, I have serious concerns that these failings demonstrate an institution ignorance and thoughtlessness towards the issue of race and the history of the Windrush generation within the department, that's the Home Office, which are consistent with some elements of the definition of institutional racism. Now, I'm not an expert on this and I haven't looked at the raw data myself. Uh, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I was going to say, wow, what else do you have to do for it to be institutionally racist? Uh, Whether it is or isn't. And the report says that it shows elements of it. It should shock us all that this is happening in our country to people that our nation invited in the 50s to come over and help and rebuild after the Second World War. It's tragic. It's shameful. And of course, this report wasn't widely uh, on our media or on our TV because COVID-19 had hit. The lockdown came like the, uh, on the 23rd, didn't it? I think 23rd of March and Uh, And so it probably got lost, but it's important for us to be aware of it. And on top of this one example, we know that this virus has impacted minority groups more than most. In fact, the report I read says that the Bangladesh community were impacted more than any. But it's impacted us as a church. We all know, I, I know of people that, have come to this church or came to this church are not with us anymore because of COVID. And we all know of probably tens of people that have lost loved ones. A mother, a grandparent, a cousin, a sister. The, the, the statistics which we hear daily is, is it's not far removed for us here in Kings. Uh, it's impacted... Many, many people in our church. And then, just a few weeks ago now, the murder of George Floyd in America ignited a cry for justice, for basic human fairness and dignity. A cry for justice has uh, uh, sprung up around the world. And you ask, why is this? Why this one occasion? Well, I don't know if I fully understand. I do know this, though. 
that when something awful happens like that, like the murder of this man, it, it echoes into uh, people's lives when they have experienced racism time and time again, and it's like a mirror to their life. And it brings it all up again. And there's a mixture of anger and pain, and it's just not fair, it's unjust. And therefore, it's ignited a moment in history, actually an opportunity in history as well, but it's rooted in great trauma and pain. But there's also an opportunity for seismic cultural shift. And that, as Christians, we should, we should lean into that and we should play our part. While at the same time, it has revealed again in the white majority uh, a lack of understanding, empathy, awareness, education. Now, hopefully in Kings, we have some awareness of it. And it's helped me that people within the white community at Kings, we have hundreds and hundreds of people in the white community at Kings, have written to me and said things like, thanks for making me aware that I'm white privileged and understanding that definition. But some of our governments, some of our political leaders, I mean, some of the things they've said, I mean, it's, it's not good. It, it's really bad. I, I, I've got to be careful what I say. I think you know what I'm, I'm, I'm saying, really. And even if you look in the... You try and think of people in the best light. At very least, they are naive. There's unconscious bias. Um, they're poorly educated or they've had... Actually, some of them are really well educated. They just had selective education where they haven't been told the true story of what happened through the issues of slavery or colonialism. Because some people in positions of power, they've gone through some great education, they just haven't been taught this. Or if they have, they've chosen to kind of just rewrite history. And Christians are called to act justly. We should be at the forefront of calling it out. And therefore, I've been asked, is it appropriate to protest? I think it is. Uh, I think, you see, if, if you want to go out on the streets and protest, great, do, because it's, this is a moment in time to speak and to act. So go, protest peacefully. That's totally appropriate. People will ask me, is it right to use the phrase Black Lives Matter? Because the original charity and the ideology of that charity is far from the Christian worldview. And I, I know that. And... Uh, we're not signing up for everything that that charity stands for. But I think under the banner of Black Lives Matter, I'm very happy to own that name. Because it, it represents something, a moment in time where, as Christians, we should speak out for those that are experiencing racism, sometimes on a daily, if not a weekly, uh, pattern of life. Someone said, surely, all lives matter. Yeah, of course all lives matter. No one's saying that, that not all lives matter, but I, I think that tends to miss the point. Because actually black lives matter is drawing uh, 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 to, to our attention the fact that there's a minority group that are being uh, spoken against or overlooked or sinned against even. And therefore we mustn't be silent. We must speak up. And I want to assure you 
that that's something I've been doing over these last few weeks. I've tried to follow the kind of biblical advice of James 1.19, where everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so the thing I've tried to do first is to listen. Um, I've listened in my own church. I've spoken to many of you. I've talked and listened to the, the staff team. Uh, I want to thank you, Kings, for all the encouraging emails and texts and WhatsApps and all the links to teaching videos and, and articles. I haven't been able to read them all, but I'm inundated with them. It's why I accepted the invitation to join Pastor Mike, who leads Lewisham Tabernacle, uh, on the Facebook conversation. I've known uh, Pastor Mike for, for many years and so was happy to step in and have the conversation. It's why I've listened to friends like uh, Toppy and Ben Lindsay and Owen Hilton and Nick Ferguson and Governor B and more recently Bishop John Francis. And I want you to reassure you and let you know that I am speaking both privately and publicly. I've been speaking in meetings of the leadership of New Frontiers in the UK and internationally. At the invitation of Pastor Agu and Nikki Gumbel, I've spoken twice in the last two weeks to a group of senior national leaders in the UK. And just over this last weekend, privately speaking to dear friends of ours who lead an international movement of churches discussing the issue of race and how we should respond. We must speak. It's a moment to speak, everyone. While at the same time, I want to ensure that as a church, we remain rooted in biblical truth. And that's why I want to talk to you about that we're called to be a church that preaches the gospel and builds a community, a family, a church, an Ephesians 2 church. For it's by grace you have been saved. Verse 8 of chapter 2. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Chapter 2, verse 14. Firstly, if you know the, 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 the book of Ephesians, it's a great letter. It's a very positive letter. It's, it's a letter about the church. But Ephesians 2, the beginning, starts with a description that we were once far from God. It says we were dead in our sin. There was a barrier, like a dividing wall between God and mankind. And Jesus, in his love for us, came and you can receive grace through faith. Not works of your own, but a gift of God. And that in Christ you can have the barrier of sin taken away and you can be known and loved by God. It's those first 10 verses of Ephesians 2, just some of my favourite verses of the New Testament. Just full of truth and free gift of salvation. You see, we must continue to preach the gospel. Yes, yeah? speak for justice and equality and fairness and dignity, but we must continue to preach the gospel because racism at its root is a sin issue. And you see that all over the world. If we were in India, you would see it in a caste system. If you're in Africa, you can sometimes see it in, in the tribal system, where a smaller tribe, a minority tribe, is, is uh, silenced or sidelined from a, a, another larger tribe in a nation. 
And the very thought of marriages across tribe, oh, shocking. So it's a gospel issue. And we're a church and we're called to preach the gospel and, yeah, lead people to Jesus. And once we're in Christ, find comfort and healing through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and fellowship and friendship. And so we want to be an Ephesians 2 church, one that uh, connects uh, people who are lost, who are dead in their sin, to be alive in God. And at the same time, um, you will know this, I'm sure you're very familiar with the passages, the second half of Ephesians 2 talks about building a church of very different people, whether it be men or women, or black or white, or young and old. And here we have a picture of the Jerusalem temple which had dividing walls where women could go no further than this and Gentiles could go no further than this and men could only go this far. And and what Paul's teaching here is he's saying, look, in Christ, peace has been made. Ultimately, in his body, peace has been made. A bridge has been built, not only between God and man, but now between different people. And he says, look, in Christ, the gospel not only has power to cancel all your sin, but it has power to join difference together. And that's the type of church we've been trying to build for for years. It's the type of church I've been endeavouring to build for decades. But it's important to note, you're not required or expected to lose your cultural identity. You don't need to become a Jew to be in the family. Ultimately, your identity comes from Christ. But I'm still a white British guy. And you may be a a Nigerian, or you may be black British. I don't mind what identity you you own. I think it's important you have an identity, and it's it's great to have a cultural identity. So it's not you don't throw that all out, but the thing that unites us together is that we're in Christ. And he has saved us. And he's called us to be family with all the challenges it takes. And just a surface reading of the New Testament, you know the Apostle Paul is going around appealing to Jew and Gentile, come together, be together, eat food together. It's not easy, uh, but it's a great biblical vision to hold. I have been endeavouring to do this uh, to the best of my ability for the last 25 years. Uh, just uh, about 10 days ago, I was on the phone talking to Colin Thomas. Many of you know Colin's on our Beckenham site. He's been in the church way longer than me. And we were talking about a conversation we had in the kitchen of the old manse that Deb and I moved into uh, 25 years ago. I think it was in the first three or four months. And we're sitting down and we're, we're chatting. And I'm asking Colin to help me understand whether we, how does worship work in our diverse church, 25 years ago. I don't know if we've got the answer yet, but we've been asking the question a long time. Um, I remembered an occasion uh, before the year 2000, I can't remember exactly the date, where a black uh, African woman who was a singer in The Lion King attended church at King's, and I thought we were really diverse. We were about 80% white and 20% non-white at that point. And she said to me, I've never attended a white majority church in my life before. And it was like, I, didn't, I, thought, I hadn't viewed it. It was a, a learning moment for me. 
And one of the things I learned off Colin in these last 10 days was the fact that minority groups in nations quickly get group identity where the majority doesn't. It's unaware of it. Of course, it has massive group identity, but doesn't live with it on a daily basis. It was just a, a, another glimpse of learning for me. Or the Gracism series we did in 2008. I have recently had uh, some um, conversation with uh, David Anderson in Baltimore. You remember David, big guy. Yeah? And then, of course, our Invited series that we did in 2017. And the intentional steps we've taken to uh, draw in people into positions of leadership and power who represent the diversity of our community. We still have a way to go, but we have come a long way. And we're further ahead than most. And I believe in the coming months we will have a call and a responsibility to speak, model and equip churches within the UK and beyond. It's a fulfilment of our resource 2030 vision. That all said, there are next steps for kings to make. And that's why I want you to be in a group this week. Find one to be in. Get on the Zoom call. We want to continue the conversation. We uh, are going to invite, I've asked Kwaku and Ozzy, two of our elders, to meet with a group of people uh, that have maybe been in the church for a while and sit down and say, look, tell us straight what's good, what needs to change, where do we need to move quicker? We're talking about two teaching series, one possibly on justice and we want to talk about this issue again, but maybe broaden it and say there are other issues of justice, like the issue of abortion that we should as Christians be speaking into. And then possibly another teaching series, ideally when we're all back together based out of Galatians. Um, and maybe there's a hint there for us. For me, this is a moment in time, and it's, it's, a great, it's a moment of real pain, but it's a, a moment of great opportunity to see seismic shift in our country, in our culture, but we want to look at this in three and six months' time, in two years' time, that we ensure that we really walk it through. And then lastly, today from me, what's your response? What are you going to do? I want to suggest there are Four things, quickly as I finish. Firstly, be quick to listen. Um, I've tried to ask a question rather than make a statement. Uh, I find that really difficult because, I don't know about you, I've got opinions and views. But in this subject, I've tried to ask a question. So in group discussions this week, or with talking with a friend, or, or in a work situation, ask a question. Two, be a learner. We, we, particularly in the white community, need to take responsibility not only for our black brothers uh, and sisters to inform us of how bad it is and what really happened in the past, but to, to basically get educated on some of the real issues that happened through the British Empire and colonialism and, and through slavery. Uh, and I think that's one of the great things that's happening. We're lifting the lid on it. Well, let's lift it and let's take responsibility. Let's read Let's learn. Be a learner. Thirdly, 
Speak. Speak. Speak out. Take courage. It's a moment to stand and say something. There's an opportunity like I've never seen before in my lifetime on this subject. So speak. Don't speak beyond your influence, but in your workplace, in your classroom, in your family. Speak. Say something. Stand. If you have to, challenge. Get involved. If you're in education, in a school, make sure the curriculum is updated to to fill out some of the journey and the story of our past history as a nation. Speak. And lastly, can I ask you to join me as we go on a journey to continue to be in Ephesians 2 church. That's one of the biggest calls upon us to build a diverse community here in South East London. And uh, I pray that you've caught my heart as I've shared with you today and I'm asking you to stand with me and stand with one another. Those that are hurting, pray and point them to God. Present Jesus to people. Let's be a missional community and let's be an Ephesians 2 community that gathers people from many different backgrounds, ages and stages, journeys, uh, cultural heritage, and build this one new man in Christ to the glory of God. I ask you to do that and join me in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, pray together. In a moment, we're going to sing the amazing hymn, Amazing Grace. Ephesians 2 is all about grace, isn't it? Freely given, received in faith. But before we sing that, let us just pray. Lord, uh, this moment in time, we're asking you, God, to speak to us and help us play our part, however small or however big, to see huge change, step change, in our culture, in our nation, in the church, and in our church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm.